Thanks for listening to the Risen Nation podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. To learn more about us, find us on social media or go to risennation.org. Hey guys, good to see ya. Uh, before I go anywhere, I keep getting this revolving picture in my head that I want to uh, see if it pertains to anybody in the room. And just be bold enough and courageous enough. You know, I love what Dana said. You came, to a, you came to a home today. You came to a house which should be the safest place for you to be vulnerable. And vulnerability, it opens you up to the presence of the Lord to be changed and transformed and be set free. And I keep getting this picture of you, you lay your head in, in, to go to sleep at night and you get horrible images and horrible pictures like torment in the mind. If that's you, would you just be bold enough to stand up just stand up. If you're dealing with like fear, anxiety, or any sense of torment whatsoever, just be courageous enough to stand up. Come on. It's okay. Yeah. If you're around them, could you ask them if you can put a hand on them? We're family here. Like horrible images when you close your eyes at night. The Lord's saying, tonight, you're going to see his face. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, just join it. Pray in the spirit. Just join in with me. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, God, for torment to leave right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I rebuke every devil that's come against them, every wrong mindset, every ounce of fear, every ounce of anxiety. We command you to leave now in Jesus' mighty name. God, we thank you for peace that brings an authority into their life like they never thought possible. The authority of peace, come. We thank you for the comfort and the compassion of the Holy Spirit to say, look at me, look at me, just look at me. I thank you that the enemy is nothing but a withering branch, so we thank you, Lord, come on, agree, for a full night's sleep tonight in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for rest to hit them in Jesus' mighty name. Take that burden and that weight off of them, Lord. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yoke yourself to him today, and everything else will fall off in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, now give him a hug. You gotta give him a hug after you pray for him. Boom, all right. Amen, amen. All right, not too long. Okay, thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Can we honor the, our worship team? They're so good. I love them. I just love them. Um, last, last week was really fun with my uncle. Uh, he's, he's a trip. Um, it's just funny, because I think everybody comes like waiting for the jacket to be thrown at them. And then he just softly talks and teaches us the word. And, He's doing it very intentionally and important. You know, it's super important what he's been pouring into us. And I love having uh, men of God that have literally shaken the world. You know, I think about my uncle, my dad, and just leaders that we have here uh, over us that um, is making a way for the next generation, you know? And honor is very important. Now, my uncle uh, is different in many ways, and, and I find it rather interesting that the Lord chooses people that mess with your uh, way of thinking and religion to see what you really want. 
you know? And, and I just wanna say, as your pastor, we love children here, we really do. Um, <laughs> the Bible says, now here's the thing, because I think that this is something we can really learn from. We come to church and, uh, wow, thanks bro for staying, that's cool. Um, we, we come to church and we think if anybody says anything that challenges me or is different than from what I've heard or what another pastor has said, uh, that I need to run for my life. But I would tell you that that is a very healthy thing to stretch you, to convict you, to go, what is it that I believe, right? Because what we're not interested in is having a church made in our image. We're interested in having a church made in his image. And so there's so much value having somebody come in that uh, is different than you, right? You know how cults start? Get everyone to just be the same. You know, but the Lord uh, is after diversity. But I just wanted to say as your pastor that just because I, I honor him and love him doesn't mean we have to agree with every detail. There's nobody in here that we find one person that we agree with every little detail of every little thing. But the scriptures that I read clearly, clearly say that Jesus said, don't hinder the little ones coming to me. So as a parent of three kids, your children will not distract me today. Just wanna make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, and so if they cry and scream, they, they might have poo in their diaper, just change them, it's fine. I mean, maybe don't do that in here though, do that in the bathroom. I'll be honest, my wife tries to get away with that. We went to a trampoline park yesterday. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, it's dark, you know? And I'm like, take the child to the bathroom. Someone jumps and lands on some poo or something, I don't know. Anyway, uh, just, you know, <laughs> I, really, I really want you guys to understand there is this principle called honor that I'm watching a young generation grab a hold to, and what it does is it releases something generationally. And you have to learn how to look past all the things that offend you to find the treasure inside of what's in those that have gone before us. Are you with me? And so, you know, I, the other night, I'm, Emily and I, I posted this, but Emily and I are laying in bed and I'm reading my Bible. And my little son, William, who refuses to sleep in his own bed, which is fine, um, I actually don't mind it until his feet, I don't know why he sleeps sideways. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm laying in bed and he rolls over and he, and, and I'm just reading my Bible and he goes, you know, out of the blue, Baba, you know, Jesus, he, he died on a cross for me and then he rose again so he could be in me. And now he lives in my heart and so my heart is heaven. My four-year-old and Emily and I are like, what, what'd you just say? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, where did you hear that? And he goes, ah, oh, Jesus told me. And I said, and I go, where did, uh, what else did he tell you? And he said, ah, oh, he loves me to the moon. And I thought, I mean, I was messed up. I wanted him to pray for me. And, and I thought to myself, that started with one yes. It started with a yes of one and then it hit a whole family. And today my children are four years old, three years old and one years old and sensitive to the presence of God because the yes of one. If we can't grab a hold of honor, if we can't grab a hold of what God has done in a generation before us that might be different than the way that God is telling us to do it today, it's honor that releases that anointing into the next generation. And so I, I just, I wanted to publicly honor my uncle and say that we're gonna keep having him. And I plan on bringing people in here that are gonna stretch us, amen, because we build these bubbles of like, 
okay, this is what I believe and I'm never gonna allow anybody to stretch me or tell me different. And I would say that is a dangerous place to be. We should always remain teachable in our heart to go, Lord, I want you to shake up my fallow ground. Because I'll tell you, we, we get into these mindsets and our, house, and our heart gets callous with what we think that we know. And it takes a Paul to show up to say, no, 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 you thought it was this, but now it's this. And they stoned him and cast him out. So I, I would just tell you, make sure your heart is open. And as a leader, I strongly believe in leadership where we come and we don't tell you what to think, we teach you how to think. And we should be mature enough as a community that when somebody comes up and says something that's like, wait, 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 what? That in our hearts and in our minds, we're mature enough to go, no, 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 but this is what I believe and I'm gonna receive every word that this person has to say because there's treasure inside of it, amen? amen. Honor, honor, honor. So we love your children. Please keep bringing your children <laughs> to our church, amen? Okay, amen. thanks for letting me uh, get that out. I want to... Uh, I wanna go through John chapter six today. If you guys can open your Bibles to John six, and the Lord is gonna remind us of something today. And, um, and then we're gonna worship at the end. Is that all right? Yeah. I wanna talk about the Lord's leadership in this first half, and then, and then I really wanna spend some time just reminding us that he's enough. You know, we've been, we've been going deeper and deeper as a community, and... Um, Today I feel like today is a tune-up, all right? Today is reminding us of the simplicity that's in Christ that we are to never leave. But simplicity is not just remaining uh, elementary, simplicity is remaining single, okay? Simplicity is remaining, no matter how much you grow, just remember you're not growing, on, you're not growing away from the Lord, you're continually growing into the Lord, okay? So we're not becoming smarter so that we can just do everything on our own, uh, we're becoming more dependent the more we mature. And the more ma you mature, the more you realize, the more I need him, right? I'll tell you this firsthand. The more I mature in the Lord, the more I realize how insufficient that I actually am. And until you come to the point and the spirit of revelation drops on top of you, I love what Corey Russell says, the spirit of revelation is when you begin to realize that he's the Pacific Ocean and you're a paddle boat. Right, the more, the more you grow into the Lord, the bigger that God gets to you. Anyone with me today? I know that there was daylight savings. I'll be honest, I woke up in a panic, okay? So, so I know where you're at right now, but we're gonna wake up because God's in the room, amen? Okay, so as we grow into the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord actually grows in our life, and the more the spirit of the fear of the Lord grows, the smaller you become, right? So we actually don't grow into a familiar place with God. And I need you to hear me because I'm telling you, I think familiarity to his presence has made a church numb to him and has made a church numb to receiving from him. And this is my testimony. I grew up in the presence of God. I would watch people get out of wheelchairs. I would watch tumors fall off people's necks. And I became so familiar with his presence and no fear of the Lord in my life that I became numb to his presence. And so the Lord is leading a church back into, he's only taking us into deeper things so that we can remain on the one thing in a more dependent kind of way. All right, but we've been going after the deeper things of the Lord and I love it and, and that's why I wanna encourage all of you to like Dana said, get plugged into a family group and get plugged into the way class. I am very excited for what God is gonna do in the way. We've made some, some shifts and change, excuse me, wow, that was gross. We made some shifts <laughs> and changes in, 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 uh, in how we wanna function in the way class and we're gonna start doing much more series-based classes 
uh, where it's a much more classroom environment. You know, I, I think it's funny because in church today, it's like, just listen to me talk and don't ask any questions. Um, but in the way, we want it to be more interactive with you guys. And we wanna go deeper with you guys. And my brother, Pastor Costi, who carries an amazing teaching gift, is gonna be overseeing that as a teaching pastor for us. And so come and get plugged in and be a part of that. But on Sundays, I wanna make sure that the drug addict that just walked in here for the first time gets hammered with the presence of God, okay? And that we're not just going into these deep things and becoming people that are so hungry for the next deep revelation that we forgot to live out the last one. Amen? Okay. So I want to go to John 6 because the way that the Lord leads us is so intentional. It's so single. And he's leading us into a place of coming to this ultimately that Jesus is enough. And if it's too simple for you, you have left, you have left that place of his presence being enough. But in John chapter 6, I want to, I want to start in, um, in verse 13. And I'm going to go, I'm going to read quite a bit. And we're just going to break down this chapter today and dissect it, and, and I believe that the Lord is gonna move. But Jesus is dealing with people that are seeking him. Okay, I want you to write this down. In this, in this chapter, he's dealing with people that are seeking him. He's not dealing with uh, the people just lost in the world. He's actually dealing with people that he's fed in the wilderness. Right before where I'm about to start reading, he just had fed the 5,000, and they were seeking after him. They're see- it was a good thing, but they're seeking him. And so I want you to hear clearly, because I want to bring some clarity to some things, but he's not, in this chapter, he's not talking about people that are just in the world. He's actually talking to a group of people that are following him, okay? And, and, it's, and he's, dealing with, he's dealing with the why of why they're following him. And I want you to understand a little bit of of our pursuit here as a church and why it is that we're leading and preaching the way that we are. Because the way that Jesus led was not to get crowds. The way that Jesus preached was not to get crowds. This week the Lord came to me and he said, do you wanna alter history? I didn't even know how to answer. And he said, then do it like I did. Don't, don't build a crowd, build an altar. And this is what the Lord is leading a generation into is, is what does it mean for a community to build an altar? And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if Jesus stood up here or Paul came in the flesh and began to preach, it wouldn't be what we think. Because today we put programs in place and all kinds of stuff in place and we deem success as the church is growing by numbers of people leaving one church and going to another. But I would tell you, Jesus has crowds of thousands coming after him, and he asks the question, why? Okay, so you get to verse 13, and he's dealing with followers. I want you to remember that he's dealing with followers. Verse 13, therefore they gathered up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten them. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, this, they said, Truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. So it wasn't until they saw something that they said, truly, this is the prophet that came into the world. And then in verse 15, then when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to a mountain alone. I love this. When crowds came, Jesus ran away alone. He didn't get Instagram out. He ran away alone. He didn't take pictures of the crowd to show the fruit of his ministry. I mean, they wanted to come and make him king. 
And he said, nope, I'm going away alone. Then you get to verse 22, jumping down, and he says, and on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except the, that one which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, the other boats came from Tiberias, near the place where they, had, where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So I want you to imagine this picture. 5,000 men are fed, not including women and children. So let's just say 15,000 about people are getting in boats and on seas seeking Jesus. Now I want you to, I really want you to get this picture in your mind of, you know, when we did habitation, you've got a line, right, to the, to the field because people are excited because it's a conference, right? And, and Jesus shows up and, and it seems like a good thing. There's expectation. There's, we are desiring to know where he's at. And this is Jesus' response when they come finding him. I want you to imagine, I mean, 15,000 people, you're talking about hundreds if not thousands of boats on the sea pursuing Jesus and Jesus isn't thinking to himself, wow, okay? So it says that when they found him, they said, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and say, most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. He immediately deals with their motive. You're not seeking me because you actually want me. You're seeking me just because I fed you with bread and fish. Do not labor, listen, for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal upon him. Then, listen, then in verse 28, he said to them, what shall we do? Or they said to him, what shall we do that we may do the works of God? So they come, and he deals with their motive. And then their response is, okay, teach us how to do it. In other words, teach us how to not need you. Right, teach us, teach us how we can do it so that we don't need to come and find you for you to do it, all right? And his response to them is, is this is the work of God that you believe in him who he sent. So the work of God is not actually doing anything, it's fully relying on a man. This is his response. Then he goes on and in verse 30 it says, therefore they said to him, what sign will you then perform? I mean, listen to these people. They're just seeking for the bread. He says, you're only seeking me for the bread. And then they say, okay, show us how to not need you. Show us how to do the works. He said, I am the work. And then their next response is, okay, and then show us a sign to prove to us that you're the one in which we should believe. I would have slapped him. But Jesus is a lot more compassionate than me. And he said, what sign? They said, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. These are a needy group of people. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, but I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. I want you to underline this verse. 
all that the Father gives me, this is verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. So everybody that comes to him will by no means be cast out. That actually comes to him. Not the benefits of him, but actually comes to him. And then in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of my Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but I should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, I want you to underline everyone, 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 who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 41, I'm gonna keep going. Then the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is this not this Jesus? So now they're offended and they go to familiarity, right? Is this not the Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Now their motive is being revealed. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, and I love it because he gets, just becomes more and more offensive as this chapter goes on. Do not murmur among yourselves, nor, nor no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by God. I love it. This is what we are aiming for as a house, is that our the big celebrity Christianity thing is gonna just perish away with the pride of man and that we will all be taught by God and rooms and churches will be filled because God is there, not their favorite preacher. So it says, it is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard, and so Jesus is dealing with motive. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And that anyone, and not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I shall give is my flesh. Here he goes, which I shall give for the life of the world. Then the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said, most surely I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, I think that this is the most pivotal point in my personal opinion of Jesus' ministry. Of course his cross, but the transition of heading toward the cross, the transition of his ministry happened in this very moment where Jesus decides, you know what, I'm gonna tell them plainly. And I love it because he waits till the biggest crowd is there. I need you to see the way that Jesus leads. It is nothing like what we do in church today. And he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed and he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, but he who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in their synagogue, and he taught it in Capernaum. Now listen, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard one. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew within himself that his disciples had complained about this, he said to them, does this 
offend you? What then if we should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning, listen, thousands come to him. And it says, he knew from the beginning those who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, this is why I said, the ESV says, this is why I said, no one can come to me. That word to me is not in the original, it's just no one can come. In other words, no one can follow unless it has been granted to him by the Father I love the passion, it says, unless he has, unless they have embraced him, okay? Verse 66, and I'm almost done. From that time, many of his disciples went back and they walked with him no more. Then Jesus looks to the 12 and he says, do you also wanna go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, did I not choose you, the 12? and one of you is a devil. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. Thousands and thousands of people are seeking Jesus. It's a good thing. Churches are filled with people seeking Jesus and they show up and Jesus says, why? And the whole time, the whole time, he knows those that actually belong to him. Now I need you to understand because when he says, this is why I told you no one can come to me unless it's granted by the Father, we've created all kinds of weird doctrines about, around predetermination of you know, those that maybe God predestined for heaven and those that God, God predestined for hell. No, no, the word that I read in 2 Peter says that God desires that none should perish, right? John chapter 12, if I be lifted up, I will draw all. Everyone say all. I will draw all men unto myself. John, everyone knows John three sixteen. If anyone, right, if anyone comes to him, and confesses and believes, right? And so he's not talking about, I, I, I just you know, have a group of people that are elect and the rest of you have no hope. No, he says, anybody that comes to me will be not cast out, all right? And, and so you have this, this leader who literally has the power to flip the world upside down so much so, they loved him so much Right, and he knows that the end is a cross, but they love him so much they wanna take him by force and make him king. Do you know how many leaders would love to be taken by force and be made king and call it God? But the leadership of the Lord, when they wanna make him king, he goes away alone, he runs from them, and then when they find him, he questions them, offends them, and then even looks at the 12 and says, I know that I chose you, but one of you is still a devil. I mean, imagine the lack of growth we would see in the church. And I want you to understand something, why in this season of transition as Risen Nation are we intentional with, with going after this is who we are and this is who we believe. And it's against, listen, every single church growth track you've ever heard in your entire life would never tell you to get up and ask the people that are not called to you to leave. But Jesus is intentional. There's those that he sends the invitation out in Matthew 25. The context is everybody gets an invitation, but not everybody accepts it. And he says, many are called, but few are chosen. The chosen ones are the ones that accepted the invitation that everybody received, right? But Jesus has this way of leading. 
And the way of leading is I am only after those that belong to me. I'm only after those that have actually given me a real yes. And he's not dealing with the salvation of the world in this chapter. He's dealing with those that would say, I follow you. So you have this intentional way that God leads, this intentional way of I only want those that belong. And as a leader, I'm challenged with this when big crowds come, of we can put on a show and a performance and do something that'll cause the crowd to grow next week. But then Jesus would say things like, I need you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, knowing fully well many are gonna leave him. And then he looks at the 12 and he goes, will you leave me too? And much, listen, much of the church simply wants the Lord to perform for them. Go to Matthew 12, really quick. I told you today is just simple. It's a tune-up. I'm not interested in trying to get you to shout. I'm asking the conviction of the Holy Spirit to make Jesus enough again. And that God raise up, listen, God raise up leaders that in this hour are more interested in the ones that actually wanna follow without needing signs, that actually wanna follow without needing the benefits of the Lord to say, Lord, you're actually enough. And I'm telling you, I, I have certain things in my heart that the Lord said, when you move, when you transition, I want you to preach this. And I'm just telling you, what he's leading us into is going to stretch us. And I figure, let's trim the exact way God did. Because, I, there, listen, there is a house, there is a place, there is a family that God has called you to. And how you know that God's called you to a family is when it's impossible for gossip to enter your heart. Right, let, let me explain. I have my brother here. My brother and I sometimes, well, not really so much anymore, but when we were younger, I mean, he would make, he just did horrible things, okay? And, and I would get upset at him and we would get in fights like any other brother, right? But then we would go to high school together. We went to the same high school. And it didn't matter if on the way to school we're punching each other, hitting each other. I can't tell you how many times uh, we have just, yeah. And it's just not good, you know? But on our way to school, we're, we're going at it. And then, and then the minute the door opens and someone says something about your brother, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like 10 minutes ago, you're punching him. 10 minutes later, somebody else says something about one that belongs to you and you go, don't ever talk about my brother. I can talk about my brother like that, but you can't talk about my brother like that. Right, like you're mad at your mom, but then somebody says something about your mom. You're the biggest defender of those that God has called you to. Right, and so we go into church environments and because we're more interested in numbers than we are actual intentional community. This is why Dana got up, because church is not just who shows up on a Sunday morning. I mean, in Acts, these people lived together. They ate together. They hid from persecution together. They were added to daily, and it wasn't just a guy that was like, well, worship was too long there, so I'm going to come here. No, no, these people signed up to die. And so you get inside of a community, and how you know you're called to that community is you go, man, these are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and I can't find a complaint against them because I'm called to them. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about them, I'm gonna cover them and protect them because that's my family, right? And so the Lord has this way of leading of why are you coming to me? And it's so offensive and it's not taught because we have this idea that Jesus is, is just like this, of course he welcomes everybody, but how many of you know it's not just a prayer and then that's it, there's a prayer and then a standard is put into your life. In Acts chapter five, the disciples, man, they would walk around and they were feared among the people. 
We do not have that today. If leaders are feared, there's podcasts made about them. Right? And I, and I am not into leaders leading harshly and by manipulation all stuff. But what if there was the power of God dripping off of the people at such a capacity that everybody knew, if I'm going to get around these people, I really got to be all in. I mean, there's prophecies of a, of a new Jesus movement, a new Jesus people that are coming. And I listened to this vision this past week that Eric Gilmore sent me of this guy. And, he's, and he had this vision in his dream. And he said, I got around in a dream. He walks up and there's 70 people just in a field. And he said, and I looked at them and they didn't say anything. They just looked at me and he said, I saw their compassion, but the very presence that, that lingered on them, all of a sudden, every sin and conviction just started to enter my mind of my own life. And he said, and I began to talk and talk and talk and try to invite them to different, and they didn't say anything the whole time in the vision. And he said, the very presence, the very peace that was on their life, their peace was authority. There's a people that God is saying, raise the banner, raise the standard, raise the standard of purity and and righteousness, not by our works, but because when we came to him and we said, what do we do to work? He said, just come to me. I am the work. And then you find this one who is, he says, believing him who is. And we say, Lord, we give our whole life for this. And all of a sudden he throws you in the middle of the Bible belt. I mean, the buckle of it. And then asks you, will you take the belt off and light it on fire? And not everybody likes the belt being on fire because I just want to be in and out of my church. I want it to be quick. It's daylight savings. I'll watch online. Right? We, we, we come up with all kinds of excuses and it becomes a part of something we do in our life. And before we know it, God is a tradition to us. And, and hearing things like God bled for you just doesn't shake your heart like it used to. And we just want the next series, the next revelation. And I'm at the point where I feel like we're in this transition of what risen, God's going, what, what will you be? You're gonna build me an altar or are you gonna build crowds? Because I'm telling you, we could shorten this by 50 minutes and we could have three songs. I mean, we've got the leadership to be able to do it and we could tickle your ears and, it could, and we would explode. And I'm challenged in this. Every leader is challenged in this. The fall, listen, the fall of Saul began when this happened in 1 Samuel 13. People, listen, he's waiting for God, right? And it's Samuel's job to do a sacrifice, not Saul's. And so Saul has a standard that he has to abide by. Kind of like God coming to you as leaders and saying, remember when you promised me that you would build a house for me? If I'm the only one there, am I enough? If I am the only one there, will your joy be the same as if there's 1,500 in the room? So, so Saul is impatient. And, and Saul acts in haste. The army is coming against him, and he's fearful. And it says that he feared the people, his own people. He feared them. And because he feared them, he stepped outside of his lane and did a sacrifice that only Samuel was supposed to do. And listen to this, Samuel comes and says to him, Saul, what on earth are you doing? And gets angry with Saul, and Saul's response is this, well, I feared the people, and as the people began to scatter from me, I got afraid, and I did a sacrifice. Every leader deals with this one thing, people leave. People scatter, and you're challenged with this. Am I gonna step outside of my lane, 
or am I gonna go, Lord, just like you, just like you in John 6. Listen, people didn't scatter from him. He got them to scatter from him. I mean, in, in Matthew, he says, don't, don't think I came to bring peace, but a sword. <laughs> Where is that in church today? We don't talk about politics. We don't talk about anything. We, we want to be politically correct. We want everybody to love us and we want to have the biggest following and we measure each other by our followings. And the Lord's like, remember when they put me on a cross? Remember when I was healing their sick and raising their dead and casting out their devils? And even after all of that, they said, crucify me. Let me talk to you, son, about leadership. As the people came, Jesus would question why. And I think Jesus, I think I honestly, and I don't know if any of you believe it, but I believe that we are on a brink. Forget resignation. I think that this generation, all ages included, is on the brink of the greatest move of God we've ever seen. I believe with all of my heart, 14 of you agree, and that's amazing. Because Jesus, listen, 12 men flipped the world upside down. 12 men caused Rome to fall to its knees. And what could hundreds do? Right? So if if he started with 12, why do we always want the 5,000? The 5,000 were needy. I don't know if you read it, but they were needy. Give us a sign so we can believe in you. Okay, give us the bread. Just give us the bread. We don't want you. We're not, we're not seeking you because we want you. And I can boldly stand up here and say, there is thousands of people. And, and if nobody says it, somebody's got to. But there's thousands of people filling buildings today that would claim they're seeking Jesus, but they just want better lives. They're afraid of Russia invading Ukraine and they're building all kinds of stuff. The next one's Taiwan. This is gonna, this, I need to get in church because I need to make sure I'm close to him before we get the heck out of here. And Jesus is like, did you give your life to me because you want my home or did you give my life, your life to me because you actually want me? I mean, remember when you were fearful and I took it away from you and you would cry when you would read the scriptures? What happened to that? The Lord is questioning, he's coming to a generation saying, I have been longing, who will declare, Isaiah 53 says, who will declare my generation? There's too many of you. So he longs for this remnant for the sake of everybody that's not in it. There's nothing about God that's exclusive. He says, if I be lifted up, I'm gonna draw all men, everybody. But do you realize that all men won't accept the invitation? And I would go as far as saying, people that simply prayed a prayer to get to heaven, it didn't mean anything to the Lord. That's, that's harsh. I mean, he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's harsher. But I, I mean, I'm just telling you, we, we preach messages about making heaven. He is the message. He is eternal life. John 17, three, this is eternal life that we may know him, not not use him to get to heaven, but know him. So there's a generation that God is calling into something deeper. Will you accept the invitation of eat me? Him who feeds on me, John six says, feeds on Jesus. I would love to go to the church in DFW and ask who is feeding on the Lamb of God and who's just going to church? Who's feasting? on the Lord. And I'm telling you, we are in this moment as a church, you can feel it. There's, there's tension for no other reason. There's tension for no other reason than the Lord is testing a church that's going, I will move in ways like you have only dreamed of 
but I got to find my remnant. I'm not interested in church members. I'm interested in those who want to feast on the Lamb of God. In Matthew 12, go there really quick. It says this. I'm going to start in verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Like, I want you to feel God's heart in this. The whole world is created through him. The whole world, okay? And and listen, if you want a deeper revelation, there is no revelation deeper than what I'm talking about. The whole world is made through him. He formed, he crafted every single person and he comes into the earth to his own and he's rejected by them. Like, I want you to imagine you give your whole life to your children and they grow up to the point where they can talk and they never believe you're their parent. And your son just keeps coming to you saying, show me a sign to prove to me that you love me. Do you, do you, could you imagine, any parents in the room, the ache within your heart, the ache within your heart that would cause a parent's heart to tremble at the fact that no matter what I do for these children, they just don't believe me. They don't come to me and they're only in my house because I put a roof over their head and put clothes on their back. It's the only reason that they're here. And I would, be, I would dare enough to say that I would believe a more majority give their life to the Lord because of what they can get from him than just actually going, Lord, I, fa- I looked into your eyes. I found someone that my soul lo- has been longing for and a generation that catches his eyes and never looks away again. But in 12, they're coming to him. And I mean, how much more? God became a man. And they're saying, show us a sign. Those that he created are saying, show us a sign. And he answered them and he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. And no sign, listen, will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, the sign is Christ. The sign is he will die and he will be resurrected. But Jonah, listen, Jonah symbolizes that if you don't hear the message, it might be too late. Do you know that in Matthew 4, the devil wanted Jesus to show a sign? I mean, listen, it's... It's abundantly clear. I mean, he says, take these stones and turn them to bread. Cast yourself off of here. Come on, do this, do this, do this. And I would say we become so obsessed with the gifts in the church. We have become so obsessed with all of the benefits of God. And and I think slowly but surely, the church that once started out as a people that would say, we are those that laugh at death, that has now become, oh my gosh, there's another strand of COVID. I can't go to church this week. Like, I, I, my, I get around Christians. I'm, I'm talking about born-again Christians, and they ask me to put a mask on and if I'm jabbed. See, this is where we start trimming because people get offended by this stuff. I'm just following the leadership of the Lord that said, why are you following me? What, what is it that, you're, that you exactly are after? Because somewhere along the lines, the church went from being those that laugh at death to terrified of it. And then you know what happened during that, those that laugh at death to terrified of it? He'll get us out of here before we die rather than death being nothing to us because we know that we're gonna live forever. Somewhere along the lines in the weakening of the church, 
something happened where fear became God. And death became this, this crown into eternity. Death is an enemy. Death is not my opportunity into heaven. Heaven is a person. And like my four-year-old said, my heart has become heaven because Jesus lives inside of me. And the Lord is coming to a church and I, I see this banner of why? Why? Matthew 12, he calls a generation evil for seeking anything but him. In John chapter 2, 23 through 25, many believed in him when they saw the signs, which he did. It was, listen, it was just based on what he did. They believed in him only because of what he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them. Just write these verses down. John 2, 23 25. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. In other words, he didn't need anybody to tell him about man. He knew exactly what was in them. 2 Chronicles 69, just write it down. His eyes run to and fro the whole earth to see whose heart is loyal to him. This is the moment I believe that we're in. And I've learned this about God. He waits until there's enough pressure to cause a church, just like he did with the law. I'm gonna give them a law to prove to them that they need me desperately. The law was a tutor, it says in the scriptures, to lead us to Christ. The law was simply put in place to show us that without him, we can do nothing. I love what Bill says. The whole book is a bunch of impossible commands until you come to the conclusion that I can't do any of this without him. But you get to, go to, let's actually go there. Let's go to John 17 really, really quick. John 17. And can I, can I get the worship team to come back out? I told you I was gonna be shorter today. John 17. I wanna start in verse 20. When you're there, say amen. I love hearing pages turn. I love that not all of you are on your phones. I just think that's great. I'm so proud of you. But if you're on your phone, that's totally fine too. Um, I like smelling it and smelling the highlights and I like when the pages get wrinkly because I've turned there so much. There's just something precious about it, you know? But you know, your phone's cool too. So anyway, um, <laughs> verse 20, John 17, verse 20. I do not pray God for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21 that they all, listen, say all, may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory, listen, which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I want you to listen to this, verse 24. Father, I desire. Nowhere else, nowhere else in the New Testament do you see Jesus saying, I desire something. There's, there's two places that, I mean, I was thinking about it. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me, but I mean, I was thinking about it. There's really only two places I can even think of where Jesus asks for anything. Two places. One, he says, Lord, if this cup can pass for me, remember? But nonetheless, I mean, he's not even asking. He's kind of just making a statement knowing the answer, right? Lord, if this cup can pass for me to show us his humanity, but if this cup could pass for me, but nonetheless, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. 
This is the only place you see God say, God himself, Jesus Christ, go, I have a desire. He says, Father, I desire that them who you gave me, I want you to listen how intentional he is. I think it's fascinating and convicting that he doesn't say, Father, I desire that the whole earth. I need you to hear what I'm saying. And again, don't, don't put words in my mouth that I'm not putting there. Again, I wanna be clear. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all. Yes. Everyone say all. all. But not all say yes. Okay? Not, not all come to him. Even though the invitation is for everybody, not all come. But his, his response to the Lord is, God, can I? I mean, this is a prayer of the Lamb of God to his Father. And he's showing us what God desires. I find it so fascinating, and I get in trouble for this, but I, I just find it fascinating that he, that he said, he didn't say, Father, I desire that, uh, that there be a billion that come to me. He didn't say that. I want you to see how intentional the Lord is. He didn't say, Father, I desire that every single, and, and this is all true stuff. It's, you know, the Bible says, lay your hands on the sick, the sick are going to recover. But Jesus here, just here, didn't make it about healing. When he gave his desire, he didn't make it about salvation. When he gave his desire, he didn't make it about going to heaven. He didn't make it about anything other than this. I desire that they, who you, they whom you gave me will be with me where I am. Listen, they'll be with me where I am and that they behold my glory, which you have given me. You have loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I know you. And these have known that you sent me. And I declare to them, and I will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them. Do you realize that the theme over a church in the last hour will be he loves me like he loves Jesus. He loves me just like Jesus. Jesus comes with this desire and he matches Psalms 27.4, which is what we built this whole church on. When you walk into the new building, the first thing you see on the left is one thing we seek, one thing we desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life and behold his beauty. Jesus read that, and in John 17, it's like he said, David found a secret. So he goes, I desire that they be with me and that they behold me. That's all he wants. Like, do you realize that what God values is knowing him? Do you realize that? God doesn't value numbers. God doesn't value how many people, I mean, nowhere in scripture does he tell you how many people you need to see healed every day, nowhere. And the problem is, is rather than all of the working of the Lord flowing from the one that we know, like how could we talk about anything different? How could we not pray? I mean, I, I want you to understand the childlike faith of even my boy. He doesn't allow us, my four-year-old, doesn't allow us to go on without telling the person Jesus loves them. And he's not thinking, I've gotta get this many today. He knows that God lives in his heart and he's excited to tell the world about it. And he's convicting to his mother and I. I love hearing, you know, like, babe, did you do it? She's like, I, I, because William will, I'm not kidding, we'll be at Starbucks, he'll, you, you'll hear him unbuckling his seatbelt, even though it's totally not allowed. 
buckling his seatbelt and he's running to the front. He goes, Jesus loves you out the window. And then they, they never understand him. So then it forces mommy to have to say it. <laughs> what did he say? Oh yeah, he said, uh, Jesus loves you so much. And, and then Ellie's screaming, amen. And Benji's grunting. We don't know what Benji's doing. <laughs> but he's not thinking about, I gotta get that soul saved. He's overflowing. It's, it's a natural way of life to him. So people hear my preaching sometimes and they think that I'm against evangelism. No, I'm against just trying to do the works of God without knowing him first. I'm against being an evangelist outside of the presence of Jesus. To me, I can go to a conference and learn how to talk to somebody or I can fall in love with Jesus and become the love like Jesus is. Right, and so it's really important to me that when you walk into Starbucks, you're dripping with something. I mean, it's much easier to tell the world about Jesus when you're holding his hand than trying to think about, okay, if I do this, this, and this, I gotta accomplish it in two minutes because I'm gonna lose their attention. No, no, he's gonna be the desire of the nations when the nations see him on the people that desire him only. So Jesus shows up and he says, let me tell you what I'm longing for. The only time he desires anything that you see him asking for is, Lord, I just want them to be where I am. And I just, I want them to behold my glory. And in the gospel, it's not about living in his home one day, it's about him. And it's not about making heaven, but it's about him and the time that we're living in. I I just felt to come and remind you of the gospel today. Like we're, we're sitting back bored in messages like this because we're waiting for the deep revelation. Guys, he is the revelation. And the world, listen, the world is broken. Like I, I, don't, know if you're, I don't know if you're following along. Can you uh, like turn the keys up a little bit? I don't know if you're following along, but we've made way too many additions to him. And what he's doing is he's stripping us of everything until we make this decision, Lord, you're really all that we want. You're you're really all that we need. And we come up with cute, fancy taglines to get the people to stand up and clap their hands. I'm not interested in that here. I, I want the conviction of the Holy Spirit to cause tears to fill your eyes again. We think we're accomplishing something, we can get people into a room and scream for an hour. Like, what are, you, what are you screaming for? Have, have you found the one in whom your soul loves that silences you and stands still in the presence of God? Say, I haven't found anyone better. Lord, there's nothing in my mouth that I can produce that's even worthy of you. But we stir up the soul of the people because it feels good to us. We stir up the soul of congregations so that we grow and and we make sure that they're as loud as possible. Drive it as much as you can and mess with the emotions of the people. But you left just as dry as you came in. And we're like, man, worship, that was sick today. Man, that preacher was going off. He yelled, he was powerful, he was anointed. But I guarantee you, if we came into the room and we sat in silence for two hours, it wouldn't be enough. See, this is what God is leading us into. 
is you're gonna come into a building and what would it be like if the minute Kaylee started playing, she had to stop playing because the presence of God was so thick and all of a sudden he began to lead worship with the hosts of heaven and we all just fell on our face in his glory. Like, like today we sit in church bored because it's not, it's not hype enough for us. We need to die of the hype. We need to die of all of the emotions of, of what we call this thing to be. And we need to find this one who stills our hearts and gives us a peace that becomes an authority that you walk into Kroger and they say, why aren't you shaking? You walk into your home like I have this desire in, in my household that people come into my house and the peace that they feel when they walk into my home. I'm not screaming at them like I am right now. say, hey, welcome. And I want them to walk in and go, I have never felt peace like this in my entire life. I want my home to be the best place for naps in the entire world. But we're so busy in church with everything but him. We've made too many additions to the Lamb of God, too many. He doesn't need our programs. He doesn't need our church buildings. The early church didn't even do this. They got into homes. You know how many people would leave if we said, you know what, we're not gonna have church. I mean, we had one week, one week where we said, I, I can't remember when we did it, but we were like, you know what? We're gonna go in homes this week and we're gonna tell everybody to rest on Sunday and be with their families. And the persecution, because apparently the kingdom of God only works inside of a building. But our families, nah, that's boring. That's not good. There's no, where's the drummer? And put your four-year-old, give him some hockey sticks. I don't know why hockey sticks. Give him some, uh, what do you eat Chinese food with? Chopsticks. Listen, hockey's fine too, you know? Um, I would never give my kid a hockey stick. That would be, Ellie, there she goes. <laughs> you know, like, there's something precious that the Lord's leading us into. Every fiber of who we are drifts with the presence of God. And if you need a worship team to lead you in, you really, really, really haven't come to know the one who is salvation. So he's, he's walking us into this time of remember, remember, remember when the gospel was enough. And what Chip said about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Today, we're gonna to repent for all of the things we've added to him. And, and I'm determined that, how many of you have ever recognized this in service? It gets quiet and, and immediately your mind, I'll be honest to say I've been there, immediately your mind goes, what's next? This is awkward. Adam, thanks for being honest, bro, because no one else is being honest. Anyone ever been there? You're kind of in that silent place and you're like, is this what this church does? Or are they gonna follow a set list? Or um, the pastor, he kind of yells a lot. I'm not really sure about this place. And you didn't think about Jesus one time during your church experience. The Lord, the Lord is beckoning a generation to come higher. Beckoning a generation to say, if we came here and sat in silence, but all of our hearts were toward him, it would be enough. This is why we have to go somewhere where we can daily minister to the Lord because it's the commandment of God to this church. And you know what I'm excited about? 6 a.m. prayer rooms. That's what I'm excited about. 
I, I'm excited about you having to get out of your bed off of your butt and saying, I'm gonna live for something more than myself. And if there's six people in the prayer room, God bless our worship team, and there, I'll play. I, I, I'll, I know like three chords, and I gotta sleep. I made a commitment to God, you don't understand. I made a commitment to God that, that I, I'm convinced of something that height nor depth nor angels, nor principalities can separate us from the love of God. I'm so persuaded, I'm gonna sing about it for the rest of my life. If there's a hundred people, if there's a thousand people, if there's four people, our commitment is to minister to the Lord. And whether you respond or not, it really doesn't matter because we're not here for your response. We didn't even start a church for you. I didn't wanna be a pastor, I didn't even wanna start a church. But when God said do it, I thought it's gonna be really easy because we could care less about anything else, anything else other than God being present in a room. And people say, well, man, you're not really loving people. How do you love someone if you haven't been loved by him and don't adore him most? You can't be loved for anybody unless you become the love of God in Christ Jesus that says, I am so in love and so fatuated with him. How do I get angry at anybody else anymore? Like we're not there yet. So the world is broken and wickedness is in our streets and our kids are on medication for depression and that's become normal. You know, like let's get on anxiety pills together. And I mean, you talk to any Gen Zer. I read an article this week about how some of our leaders in Washington are trying to cause abortion to still be allowed after a certain amount of time after the baby's been born. Are you kidding me? That is murder. It's all murder. And pastors aren't talking about it. Leaders aren't talking about it because, you know, we want to make sure everyone feels welcome. Are you kidding me? If people are offended because I am telling, oh, he's telling me who to vote for. I absolutely am telling you who to vote for. Vote for righteousness, believe it or not. Vote for Jesus. Vote for Jesus. It's impossible, impossible. Should I just, I'm just gonna take it a little further. I'm so encouraged, Gabriel, I'm so encouraged by the leadership of Jesus. I'm so encouraged by it because I get up and I'm like, Lord, sometimes I'm so intense. I need to calm down a little bit. And like the common thing I hear when I meet with church people is like, you're, you're so kind of calm, you know, in person. I'm like, I feel like I come across this crazy guy, you know? But I don't think about it in the moment and always after I'm like, ah, I'm so hard on him. And then the Lord led me to John six. And he said, like, imagine this is completely packed. Three, four, five of these buildings are packed. And Jesus gets up and he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they start walking away. Yeah, that's right. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. You're not here for me. Get out. This is Jesus. I just want you to see, this is Jesus's leadership. Where in a book did you read that? outside of that one. The problem is, is we're writing books, teaching people how to grow churches, and it works. And we got massive synagogues today. And see, the reason God ra is, is raising this house up is to pull down and tear up, tear down. And then we're gonna build and plant a house where people come and say, I found God there. 
this is our ambition, this is our motive, this is our desire. So, so in my heart personally, if there's never seasons of trimming, we're probably not doing something right. And you just don't hear that in church. We say healthy things grow. In, in John 6, John 6, healthy things got smaller. I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm just reading the Bible. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe your self-help book works better for you. I don't know, but for me, it never helped me. So the world is broken and there's wickedness. It's all over our airwaves. It's on our social media. And while the church is packed, it's also silent. And the wild thing about God is that his proclamation wasn't and still isn't wrath and judgment, but hope and salvation. I mean, every time they rejected him, he would continue to say, just come to me. I mean, one chapter later, he stands up in John 7, 37, on the Feast of Tabernacles, right after he, I mean, right after he offends everybody, he gets up and he says, if anybody is thirsty, come to me. I love it because it's just this transition happens in John 6 where it's kind of Jesus just is like, you know what, full send it. We're just gonna go for it. If anybody is thirsty, come to me. And out of your belly will flow rivers. He's so patient with us because he desires that none should perish. But at some point, there's a generation, unfortunately, that might say it's too late. The church is packed and it's silent. The world is broken at war. And we debate, listen, we debate Maybe the problem is this, or maybe the problem is that. Maybe, you know what? I know what the problem is, it's Biden. That's who it is. Or no, it's Putin, it's Putin. Or it's CDC, yeah, that, they're the problem. What's that one guy's name? Fauci, he's a huge problem, right? Like, we start trying to figure out who the problem is, but there's really only one problem. Every man is born in sin, and no one's telling them, but the gift of God is eternal life. There's only one problem, listen, which means there's only one answer. I mean, a a world born in sin, what do you expect? So the question is, is as a house, what are we going to do about it? I feel like the Lord is causing a generation that's going to become so gripped with the presence of God that we can't help but our whole life be the proclamation of the gospel. And I'm not interested in just leading you down series and forgetting about the one that we're talking about. Problem is this, listen, God created a world he planted a garden in it. And then he, as like the masterpiece, the finishing touch of creation, he created a man named Adam and he gave Adam rulership over it. And he told Adam, you're gonna be the steward, listen, of my garden. He was perfectly, listen, God made him perfectly suitable to be in union with God, perfectly the likeness and the image of God. But this man, listen, was giving a command. He was given a command that you can have everything you want in the garden, but this one tree you cannot eat of. And you can obey and live or disobey and die. And Adam disobeyed and died. And because of Adam, every generation after Adam inherited what Adam had done. Every generation, every single person, listen, every single person born of ordinary generation inherited what Adam had sowed. Today we see the results still 
of Adam. I, I believe that there's a church today that believes more in what Adam's done than what God has done. We call ourselves sinners and we, we believe man in the fall. We believe in it. The commandment was simple, but the disobedience was there and sent into the world. And listen, and this paradise God created with man and he had given to man now had become knowing of death. Adam took on a sin nature and consequently caused everyone after him to inherit the same thing. And listen, our world is broken because of sin. And if this gospel still doesn't pierce your heart, it's for you today. Our world is broken because of sin and man stands guilty before God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I want you to stand with me. So today we have death all around us because of man's sin and from generation to generation, every one born of ordinary generation is birthed into sin. But God longing for that union he had with that man in a garden, still longing for it. Sent his only son, close your eyes. Sent his only son, Jesus. You can feel it when you say it, it's like, man, we've heard this so many times, not enough. You haven't heard it enough. And God, listen, God became a man, God. I want you to remember, he's 100% man and 100% God. And God became a man and was born, listen, of a virgin, not of ordinary generation. A man born of a virgin, not born like everyone else. He was perfect and sinless in every single way. It says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, Jesus was the perfect offering. He was perfect and pure and the Lord literally imputed our sinfulness to him and then imputed his righteousness to us. And while the world, listen, all like sheep have gone astray, everyone to their own way. God walked among them humble and lowly, perfect. And in order to conquer sin, he had to become it and die. And his death would, listen, his death would kill sin once and for all. I need you to understand, we focus a lot on the man, Christ Jesus, but I need you to get same God. How many of you know our Lord is one Lord? Jesus said, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I need you to get it, that God, the same God that walked in the cool of the day with Adam, the same one, the same exact one, became flesh, and God bled on a tree. What God, in what religion, have you ever heard came and died for a people? Came and bled for a people. We know the man Jesus bled as the sacrifice, but you gotta understand, he was God wrapped in flesh. So I want you to close your eyes. God bled. God was handed a cross. And I want you to imagine, I want you to see him. Listen, I want you to see him, the bloodiest. It says he was marred beyond description. Bloodiest scene you could have ever imagined. God awaken our hearts again today. Break up that fallow ground inside of us. It says he gave his face as they pulled out his beard. 
He gave his back to be beaten. He didn't turn his face as they spit and mocked him. He bore our transgressions. Listen, he was pierced for our iniquities. And God bled. And God bled. And he died having conquered sin. And as he suspended, listen, himself in the air, bridging the gap between God and man, he restored again the union between God and man. And he came storming, listen, out of a grave on a third day, conquering death, hell. And the heavens sung, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And he went further than that. He didn't just do it for us. He said, when I was crucified, you were crucified. That when I died, you died. When I was buried, you were buried. When I was quickened, you were quickened. When I was raised, you were raised. And when I was seated in heavenly places, you were seated too. So in other words, we weren't just saved, we were also sanctified. We weren't just saved from something, we were saved into sanctification. The Bible says that one son became many sons. And the world is longing. This is the gospel that we preach. This is the gospel that we stand for. The world is longing. It's longing for people that are dripping with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, that have died to themselves, gotten over what's going on in their life. They're no longer concerned about their life. They could care less about death because they believe in one who has conquered it. And the problem is, is we just don't believe. Listen, he was enough then, he's enough now, and he still is enough. And the Lord is coming to us as a community, as a church going, are you bored with this? Is this, listen, is this not shaking your emotions enough because you grew up hearing this? No, no, this is the only answer to the world. Jeremiah 29, 13, and then I'm done. Says this. For I know the thoughts, listen, I think toward you, says the Lord, peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. The original, listen, the word, the second me, and you will seek me and find me. That word me is not in there. The word all, and you will search for me with all of your heart. That word is whole in Hebrew. And found by you is one Hebrew word, and that one word is enough. I want you, I want you to listen to this. So the original says this, and you will seek me and find. In other words, you're gonna seek me and this is what you're gonna find out about me. When you come to me with a whole heart just saying, Lord, I, I don't really have much to offer you. I, I, I'm not, I can't you know, do this, I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not that smart. But Lord, if you could take this whole heart, Lord, it's yours. And what he says is I will be found by you. That word is, and you'll realize I've always been enough. When you come to me, you're gonna find this out about me, that I've always been enough. I am the beginning, every hand lifted. I am the end, I am the alpha, I am the omega, the first, the last, the bright, the morning star. He's everything in the middle. He's everything in between. He's why we live, he's why, he is the breath that we breathe. And the Lord is conducing us. He's squeezing us to find out what's really in us. And I'm telling you, he's asking a generation in this moment you want to alter history, don't build a crowd, build an altar. 
because the world is broken. Lift it, lift it. We're gonna take, we're gonna just take five minutes and we're gonna worship. And I wanna ask you a question. Is every eyes closed? Some of you gave your life to the Lord because you were petrified of hell. Some of you gave your life to the Lord because your friends were doing it. It's like we stand on our wedding day and we marry our spouse because they have a nice house, not because we want them. Some of you have become numb in your heart and need first love. Some of you just straight up don't know the Lord. And today is the day of salvation. But you know, I'll be the first one as your leader, quote unquote, your leader. I'll be the first one to say, you know what I'm repenting of today? Additions. That's what I'm repenting of. Additions that are like uh, the business of the church that becomes so busy and becomes so time consuming that all of a sudden you saying, I'm building a house for the Lord becomes the biggest stress in your life. No more additions, no more additions. If you're joining me in repentance and saying, Lord, you are salvation, I want you to come to the front and I wanna pray for you. Lord, you are salvation, I want you to come to the front. If you need to come to know the Lord, run to the front. Come on, bless them, bless them, bless them. Come on, honor them. Come on, if you're coming to first love, if you're coming home to first love, come to the front. If you want to leave, leave.
don't know him, just come, just come, just come. Anybody is thirsty, come to him. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. God, I thank you for hope and peace, God, and the Holy Spirit. God, to fill them and flood them, God, afresh and anew. Fill them and flood them fresh anew. team come? Can I have the altar team come? And I want you guys to begin to pray with them individually with repentance, with first love. Walk them through giving their life to the Lord if they don't know. Pastors, come and help. Babe, come and help. Emily. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Fill them to full. Fill them to full. Fill them to full. Fill them to full. Jesus, every voice, Jesus, we remove the additions. We repent for adding to you in every area of our life. Lord, I give you my life. I really surrender my life 
I don't have much to give, but if you could take this heart, have it and use it. I'm running to first love. I'm making you only as a church. Come on, every voice, as a church, we desire one thing, to be with you and to behold you for the rest of our lives until our kids and their kids, come on, agree, and their kids experience heaven on earth. Take your place, God. Take dominion again of your church. In Jesus' name, I want everybody to give him praise. Everybody to give him praise. Come on.